Hi, my name's James Fowle and this is the Huxley Morton Podcast. I hope you're enjoying Series 3 so far. And before we jump back in for another episode, I'd love it if you could like, subscribe and hit that notification button as it really helps us to increase our reach. We run the show to both help and inspire those working in clinical research. So if there's anyone else that you think would benefit from tuning in, please spread the word. For now though, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast with me, James Fowle, founder and director at Huxley Morton, and my fabulous co-host, Mr. Adam Walker, independent Thank biometrics you, expert. Uh, this week, we are joined by Alex Evans, CEO at Rarity. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm excited to participate. You are very much welcome. Good to have you. Well, look, uh, Alex, I gave you a very brief uh, intro there, but um, look, just give us a, a quick overview as, as to yourself, uh, Alex Evans, and, and and the business. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I joined Rarity about a year ago now. In fact, I've just had my one-year anniversary um, as Chief Executive Officer. Mm. Um, and Rarity is really about bringing together clinicians, patients, and uh, pharma clients and biotech companies to help patients get access to therapy in the early stages, even before, um, even before a product is, is approved. Um, we work predominantly in the rare disease arena. And as you're probably aware, these, this patient group don't have time to wait for approvals for drugs to get approved and to to get on on a license in you know in countries so they're running out of time in effect and you know being able to access therapies early is really important to them and we help navigate all of the regulatory process to enable that to happen mm-hmm. amazing and look you, you mentioned rare diseases there uh which kind of goes in sync with the, the company name. I know that Adam and I are often interested in, in names and their origins. Um, what's the, what is, you know, what, where did the, the name come from for the, for the business? So it, that's a really interesting question, actually. Obviously, we focus mainly in rare disease and rare cancers. Mm. Um, our co-founders have got quite a lot of experience in the rare disease arena. Wendy White, our co-founder, has worked in rare disease for all of her career. Um, and our other co-founder, Natalie Douglas, has worked in the more varied role across pharma, but predominantly in rare disease. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of experience and expertise in that area. The ITI element of it is that we're really trying to move things forward in in, um, managed access by providing a really neat digital platform Mm -hmm. that provides data capture, it provides analytics, it also provides a method in which patients can monitor how they're how they're progressing on their treatment. It also provides the ability for consultants, you know, the doctors, the prescribers Mm. to check in on um on the patients in a remote way so that they can see how the patients are getting on on the treatment as well fantastic so look i guess in that sort of platform um i certainly know that that is where uh, adam is a bit of an expert and um you know he's yeah that's why he's he's here on the show is to, to add some some i guess real knowledge on that side of things um so i know that you guys have, have worked previously together um adam look could could you dive in with uh, i guess any additional questions about the platform about you know some of the great things that you guys are doing at at rare it and and i guess what your involvement was previously with the company yes of course so 
Alex and I uh, worked together, I guess, about a year ago now. And um, I'd previously worked with Natalie Douglas uh, in her previous company, IDIS, where she was CEO. And our engagement was really around the development of a data platform that would bring together patients and healthcare professionals in a different way in a rare disease setting that hadn't really been done before. And this was really the paradigm shift and where they identified between uh, Natalie, Wendy and, and Alex was where the gap in the market was. You know, I think it's fair to say, Alex, you know, you've got an extensive career in, in and across pharma and, and a background in nursing as well. And that really set you aside with regards to, you know, the clinical practice around that. But what was really interesting from my point of view, and certainly in our engagement that we worked together on, was building a platform and developing a solution based around a, a, a problem effectively, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really, it's really helped me coming from a clinical background, actually, in terms of de developing the platform. Um, you know, and I've used this um, skill set many years in the pharma industry. You know, I trained originally as a nurse mm. and then I entered into the pharma industry many, many years ago. And what it gives me is the opportunity to think like a clinician in terms of what a clinician is looking for, but also think like, a, you know, a pharma um, commercial person or a regulatory person in terms of what you know those you know those individuals are looking for um, and of course in nursing you're probably one of the closest clinicians to patients you're there as a patient advocate every single day mm. in what you're doing and so it really has been a you know we were able to triangulate all of those three elements into building um, the platform so that everybody benefits um, you know, and patients really would get um, and do get great benefit from using the application that we've built. One, one because they've got sort of, um, you know, a resource in their pocket on their smartphone that they can access information, they can access support and advice, they can access training materials, all on their smartphone about their their medication, about their access program, about anything about their condition. But two, it gives them the ability to track how they're getting on. And certainly for patients with rare disease, you know, you might get patients that are a bit older and they're managing the application themselves, or it's a carer or a mum or a dad. Mm. And they can see the correlation between them taking their therapy adhere into the therapy and then the improvement in their symptoms and their condition and they can see that firsthand and then what that means when they go to see their doctor is that they can sit in the doctor's office with their application and the the doctor sees exactly the same picture on their screen mm. so rather than it be a a conversation about oh you know I've been doing okay but I can't remember when I felt a little bit unsteady they can see the doctor can see I can see you did really well but then you stop taking your medication that weekend. Can you remember what happened? And you can see as a result of stopping taking your medication, your symptoms flared up again. So it's a really good way of um, enabling an adult to adult, equal to equal conversation about you know, the patient's progress on their treatment. Wow, that sounds amazing. And that's all just from someone's pocket in, on, on their smartphone. I mean, I'm historically have been terrible with IT. Um, probably up until 
COVID struck and we had mm. to go a lot more remote and start utilizing everything. Um, so how does, um, you know, but I, I guess what I like about that is I'm a big advocate of what gets tracked gets improved. And mm. I think that's the message that you guys are, are, are going with there. Um, so how, you know, so they, they can just log in, they log how they're feeling, they log when they're taking a medication and then there's, graphs which everyone loves a graph of you know tracking progress and all of that is just instantaneous that they can can access and then review with their doctor with their absolutely um, so it's all recorded in real time and they can they can so they can see when they've taken the medication they can see if they've had any adverse events or side effects to it but then they can see what they what they you know what they're scoring as a symptom um and the the application is is customized to the patient's therapy. So the questions that they answer on the app um, are very, very specific to the their condition and to the ther therapy area. Mm -hmm. So it's not a generic, how are you feeling better today? Or, you know, have your symptoms improved? It's really specific. So one example that we worked at, um, worked in is a, is a condition called Prader-Willi syndrome. Mm which is a rare condition and it affects children. And they, um, you know, it, it, it's a dreadful, dreadful condition whereby children have no way of knowing whether they're full or not. It's, this is one of the manifestations around whether they're full. So they right. constantly feel hunger. And that drives quite a few behaviors in children, like, you know, they go searching for food, they, they get upset if they're denied food or they wake up in the middle of the night hungry. And so you can monitor on, you know, on the app um, whether they've, you know, whether they've got upset today because they've been told they can't, you know, they can't have um, additional snacks or they've woken up at night and then therefore they've been tired the next day and not able to attend school. And so, you know, you can monitor how their, how their symptoms are improving whilst they're on treatment. Wow, that's, I just can't, I mean, for me, that's a complete eye-opener. I, you know, I don't work in research and I just had no idea that platforms like this even existed. Dare I say, as, as, a, as a fairly new parent as well, you don't anticipate what's around the corner potentially for you as a parent. And what Alex is describing really is that, is that patient caregiver interaction that turns anecdotes into fact that you can then drive those conversations in in the doctor's office and and really look for underlying prescribed yeah indicators that can really drive further decisions around clinical outcomes and that's really ultimately what this is about isn't it alex absolutely we've got a fantastic example of a mum telling us that you know uh, she has a daughter her daughter doesn't like to take a medication because it you know she, she doesn't like the medication um but and, and the, the main symptom that this child has or on this group of children have is, is, you know, itchy skin, itchy skin. And so, you know, you build, you can see on the app that, you know, you monitor how the itches and the skin irritation and all of that. And the mum can say to the child, look, this is this is when you're taking your medication and your itch is down. Mm. Um, but these are the days when you've missed it. And look, you, your itch has got worse. So it really does work and you really do need to take it. So it's quite a good tool for helping that interaction, not only with parents and children, but for individuals themselves managing their own condition. Because sometimes, you know, I'm, you know I, I take medication for high blood pressure and sometimes I just forget or sometimes I just don't want to take it. 
Mm. Um, and then, you know, as a nurse, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking my blood pressure and I can see if I've not taken it, I can see my blood pressure increasing. And this is what the app does for, for patients. They can see their symptoms increase when they don't take their medication. And that's a really important factor in adherence to therapy. So insightful. And I think that, Adam, you, you nailed it there. I was thinking just, you know, with my son who doesn't have rare diseases, but sometimes you're racking your brain with what is going on with them, whether they're hungry, whether they're hot, whether they're cold. Um, what, it can be a whole multitude of things. Add a rare disease to that um, and you just don't know. So just having a little bit more clarity just must be so helpful uh, for these people. Um, so that's, I guess, the, the users, the, the, the patients, who are your who's your client base how do, you know how are you guys going out and attracting winning business where where does where's the focus on that side of things yeah so our you know our customers are pharma clients or biotech mm. and what we try to do is offer an enhancement to their data strategy so it's not there to replace you know the phase two three four clinical trial picture because they're very very important um but it really does enhance the data co collection to the point where um, you know you can get really, really um, strong insights into how patients are performing in the real world. So it, you know, it adds a new dimension to real world evidence, if you like, and real world data. The other element in which we've used the data that's generated from this is when you know, clients or pharma clients or customers are going through an approval process for a line extension, or they're looking for additional data to support a reimbursement um, application. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the regulator or the health technology agency are looking for softer, softer data sets. So they're looking to see the impact of this. So you can build things in um, that have a health economic element to it. So you could put in, say, for example, for children or for adults, you know, have, I, uh, have you attended school today? And you can record the number of days that, you know, children attend school or a, a, an adult attends work. So you can really then put some health economic elements into it as well. We're not saying that we're you know, we're going to replace all of those really key academic metrics because they're really important. Mm. We really do provide a good insight, a good snapshot, and we advocate using validated tools in the build of the questions so that we can, you know, we can utilise the data in a formal way as well as in an, an informal way. Lovely. You, you, you talk about the data there. Sorry, Alex. You talk about the, the data there now outside of clinical trial setting that's a key point isn't it because what you've described is real world data real world evidence it's that which really drives patterns of uptake isn't it and how do you find that is driving conversations with regulators with pharma companies outside of you know when you when you're going to them with with these proposals and with these suggestions now i think you know we're in a really unique position adam because there's a lot of people, a lot of providers talking about real world evidence generation and real world data. And there's a number of different ways in which this is being generated, actually. And sometimes the approach to the generation of real world evidence is quite costly to a pharma company. You know, it's almost like paying for another clinical trial. Yeah. It's almost, paying, almost like paying for a big health economic um, piece of work. 
And um, the way in which this is being received is something that has twofold. The regulators are really interested in it because it's real time, real life data reported by the patients or their parents themselves. So it's not clinician reported, it's self-reported data, mm, which yes. is really valuable and, and really meaningful. And equally, it's, um, it, it delivers a really true picture. It's not it's not interpreted by you know anyone else it just delivers the facts as you say Adam yes. so you know regulators looking at it are, are, are seeing a real insight into what's happening um out out, out in communities and, and dare I ask I mean just following on from from the obvious question it seems you know that that presumably must have um that that needle must have moved somewhat in in this COVID time that we're living in right now Absolutely. you know because this data is now pivotal to to prescribing patterns to people's lifestyle choices to all the things that we're all experiencing in our own homes and in our own families well as you know you've just alluded to it you know healthcare and healthcare management has seen a huge paradigm shift over the last 12 to 18 months with you know with the pandemic mm. and having the remote the remote monitoring the remote access the remote um data capture you know has grown um you know, grown enormously, not just in its usage, but in its validation. You know, people can see that it's a really valid way of managing patients. And it's here to stay post-pandemic, I think. I absolutely agree with you, by the way. You yeah, know, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. Yeah. Most certainly. Look, I guess, Alex, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm massively impressed, by the way, in, in what you guys have put together. Um, you, you say that your background is, is healthcare and pharma, you know, going back the years, how did that come about in the first place? You know, what what drove you into healthcare and, and pharma, and why? Yeah, okay. Well, it's a lot. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't like ten years ago. Um, and I've had re two. I've had a fantastic career. I really have had the most fantastic career, and I'm really privileged to be part of Rarity right now because I think it's the right time and offering the right service. But it came about a long, long time ago when um, when I was watching a documentary about people in a very specialised unit with a spinal injury, with spinal injury condition. Mm. And, um, and um, a, a unit had been set up that was changing the lives of, of people who either by injury or illness found themselves paralysed either from the waist down or, or from the neck down. And I was watching this as a as a fourteen year old, thinking, "I want to work there." That looks really that, that young. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, I did a little bit of research in terms of how I got there. And one of the things I recognised is that I wasn't going to get there and do a job that I really wanted to do unless mm -hmm. I qualified as a nurse. So I qualified as a nurse. Um, you know, in, in South Wales, it was a fantastic training. It was, you know, I was really, you know, I really enjoyed it. And then I got myself to this uh, specialised centre in Buckinghamshire called the um, National Spinal Injury Centre mm. Hospital. And I qualified as, a, you know, as in the specialty of spinal injuries whilst I was there. So did additional training. And I worked to quite a senior level at quite a young age. So by the time I was 26, I was a ward sister, which is quite young. 
Um, and then I thought, God, I've achieved what I wanted to, I set out to achieve. Um, and then I started looking around to, you know, what's how, next. How did you feel at that point, I guess, at, at 26? Look, a lot, of, a lot of us, you know, I was still, I mean, I was working, I was doing quite well, but I, I wasn't, wouldn't say that I was overly passionate about what I was doing. I, it was more a case of a means to an end. And I was working because I wanted new car, new house or, or whatever it was at the time. How did you feel at that time then to have almost achieved what you were looking to achieve? For, you know, from yeah. the age of 14, that must have felt almost quite surreal. Yeah, reflectively, I think, you know, I think it was a big achievement, you know, if I think back on it. Mm. At the time, I just thought, what's next? You know, that's all I thought was, well, what's really? next for me now? And um, and just by fluke, I, you know, was in the hospital buying a coffee and I met somebody who was, you know, made it was pivotal in the change in my life. I met somebody that I trained with in South mm. Wales and she worked for Astra Pharmaceuticals as a sales manager. Mm. And uh, she said, oh, I've got a job going. Can, do you want to, uh, do you want to uh, talk to me about it? So it wasn't your traditional, you know, medical representative job. It was building an opportunity, building a project um, in, the, in, the, in the, the sort of looking at patient care um, and building what is now known as a patient support programme, but at the time it was called a nurse advisor programme. Right. There were a number of them about, there was one or two within Astra Pharmaceuticals in the respiratory arena, but I was working predominantly and um, really focused in gastroenterology. And I was part of, you know, the big story of the Blockbuster LOSEC. Lo uh, I was part of the LOSEC launch team and we set about setting up this nurse advisor program mm. in primary care. Um, and and obviously I was living in, you know, I was living in England, I was living in Buckinghamshire, and we we, we piloted in, it in that area, and I, I designed, created the whole programme, it worked, and um, and we went from me to, me as a nurse advisor in, in the Oxford region, to having four, to ultimately having 250 nurses and about six different nurse advisor programmes, it went... You know, it went from a very small program to huge. And, you know, I I ended my, you know, I ended my career at AstraZeneca having been head of clinical nursing for seven years there and managing nurse advisor programs in gastroenterology, respiratory, cardiovascular, cancer, um, the whole the whole range of different therapeutic areas. And they all looked and felt very different. Um, and that was a fantastic um, opportunity for me, not only because it was so novel and new and really successful, but because I worked for a guy who taught me everything I knew about clinical trials because I was part of the clinical trials team. And we didn't, and we didn't do, I, I didn't build clinical trials, but we followed the same methodology, the mm. same rigor, the same, um, you yeah, rigor and attention to detail in developing the program. And I truly believe that's why it was such a success. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a simple pro process that was, you know, just built to drive commercial, you know, commercial sales. It was there to truly uh, enhance patients' lives and create data. 
and that's really you know where I you know my my passion for all of this stemmed from wow so that is really a case of from one success to the next yeah like how did how did you do it you know not in terms of the day-to-day you know um putting it together but you know mentally how did you know how did you feel at that time so I think that's a really yeah interesting and it's exactly the same with rarity as well I think you do it because you have a good team you know you have a vision but you have a really good team around you that understand the vision they understood and 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 in rarity the same understand what we need to do to get there what it takes and bringing in very, very specific expertise is really important. Mm. Not trying to do it all yourself. I think for me, you know, bringing in Adam and his expertise was really pivotal in, in us getting the, um, you know, the technology across. He's right, isn't he? Him a number of times. So I, I didn't power up to that, by the way. Thank you for that, Alex. But <laughs> to be honest, I, I've learned an incredible amount from working with you as well and the team, because I think it's fair to say that not just yourself, but but the entire leadership of Rarity have a laser focus as to what they want to achieve. And I think to your point, James, you know, when you're talking about how people adapt and change in different careers and different opportunities, you've got to retain that that inner the inner drive, but also the laser focus for the the long game, isn't it? And that's really what I've seen in in the time that I've worked with you, Alex. Is that is that the long-term focus in other words where where do we need to get to and how do we get there and i think a ceo that's you know those are the questions that you ask about bringing in core people that can that can absolutely traverse that that journey through to to where you need to get to and that's what i've seen i think directly working absolutely. alongside and i think on top of that with rarity i've got two fantastic co-founders with natalie douglas and wendy white um, and natalie has you know, she's got so much really relevant experience and skill in this arena. I think I've learned so much from her in the last year. And then Wendy compliments me because she is very patient focused. She's very patient advocate focused. And, um, you know, she's she's brought a uniqueness to the to the table, actually, from a, you know, from a co-founder perspective, we've been we've been really fortunate. And then the team. You know the team has grown so adam adam was part of the team and we've got you know we've got really specific skills in um regulatory affairs in uh, we've got chief medical officer we've got a very very good team at rarity it sounds like you've got a good dynamic there and look, from my perspective you know just listening in with my recruiter hat on for a moment i guess one thing i always look for is almost I guess it's a track record of success. You know, if people can be put into a new environment and come out winning, that's, mm. you know, that means that they are placeable wherever they go. Uh, for yourself, you've proved it a couple of times already. Um, but moving on to, to Rarity, you joined just over a year ago, wasn't it? Mm. Um, where we are kind of height of COVID. Um, and again, I'm now just thinking, what is in store for you guys at COVID? So look, tell us about the the, the, the move to Rarity and, and how things are going for you now, because it, it must have been tough to come on as a new CEO to a business during that time. It, it was crazy. Yeah, you know, it, it was crazy. And certainly when I was appointed to the role, it was pre-COVID. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't see I didn't see the pandemic around. None of us saw the pandemic around the corner. Nope. And... Um, but I truly believed in in the concept 
and the vision that Natalie and Wendy had for Rarity and that was what drove me to you know continue on the journey and I and you know I've not looked back since saying that it's not been easy you know it's a tough it's a tough gig every single day really because you know what we saw between June 2020 and 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 December 2020 was a bit of an inertia in the marketplace because and quite rightly because everything was at a standstill and you know our, our, our prospective clients were really focusing on on their on their their you know the patients that they had on therapy you know on their own on their own operations and quite rightly but i think since you know what since we came out of you know the first lockdown things have started to move on and we've we've seen a lot of traction and we we have truly worked in a club in a global way you know across the us the uk europe the far east and latin america and you know, it's it's the new norm, the way in which we're working. You know, we um, we're, we're working in a in a Zoom in a Zoom generation, aren't we? And I think it's the new norm, and everybody's adopted that new norm. And you build relationships and trust, and win business based on on that remote access rather than you know how how it used to be in the older day olden days where you'd see people face to face. What would you say has been maybe the the biggest challenge um, you know during your time there? Because what I've when you and I have spoke previously, I was quite impressed that you almost have used it as a bit of an opportunity. Oh, but, absolutely! So, so talk, yeah. talk to us about that. You know, what's what's the biggest challenge? How have you dealt with that? So, I mean, it was so it was an opportunity. You know, that time between June and December was an opportunity to really, really invest in what we wanted. One as a business model, and two in the technology. And so we could put that laser focus into developing our digital platform to the point where, you know, it's you know it's um, it's really, really neat, user friendly, workable, delivers on you know, what we expected to deliver. So we've used the time really well to get us in a place where we've got quite a unique offering. A lot of people were faced with this same adversity, but I think what I like with yourself is the fact that you've used that as an opportunity to build on your core values, that laser focus. And if anything, you've come out better for it by the sounds of things. Yeah, well, we hope so. I mean... You know, don't get me wrong, it's been tough. Like I said, it's been tough. But, I, you know, I, I'm really proud of what we've achieved in the year. Um, I've, I'm, you know, we've, we've had an amazing journey. I'm really proud, proud of what we've got as a, as a service offering and as the technology. And from my perspective, it's onwards and upwards. And I think we've got some great relationships with, with customers that can see exactly what makes us different out in the marketplace. Because... You know, there's a lot of players in the, you know, in the market access, expanded access, patient support mm. program environment. And we, you know, I think we've truly got a good differentiator here. But I also think to, to build on that point, Alex, it, it's very interesting that as a company, I think I, I get from Rarity that you know what you are, but you know what you're not. And you don't try and be something that you're not. And there are plenty of companies out there right now who are trying to appeal to all different markets mm. and all different uh, types of customers and what's very clear to me certainly through the 
the discussion we've had today, but also through through knowing you outside of this discussion, is that there is that differentiator. You saw a gap in the market, you identified that, and you didn't try and fulfill everything to all all customers. It was really making sure that you had that differentiator. And I don't think, to be fair to to you and Rarity, I don't think there are many others out there doing that right now. I no, really don't. I haven't seen anybody, but. You know, we've been focusing on what we're doing rather than what other people are doing. And I think that's important when you're trying to to build something successful. You need to know what's going on in the marketplace, but focus on on what you're doing. Yeah, but I, I think I think I think the other the other point that, that James made as well is is the fact that, you know, over the last year, 18 months, we've all had a lot more time and probably become a lot more efficient in the time that we spend doing the work. Though we may be spending more time doing it, I think things are generally moving at some incredible pace because the opportunity to interact with people, with clients, with customers, has never been so easy through the medium of, yeah, of, of Zoom and Teams. Mm -hmm. We don't have to get on planes anymore. We certainly don't have to waste all that time traveling to and from different sites. We're just there and we can then be in another virtual room the next hour. And, and I'd love to hear, you know, if that's been your experience as well. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, um, it, it really has been that experience. And in my previous job, you know, I commuted for two hours a day and, um, you know, two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. So, wow. and that, you know, that waste, you know, for me, that was wasted time. Yes, of course, you can make calls and stuff, but, you know, it has become way more efficient and way more accepted, you know? And also you get to know people much better. You get to know their dogs and their kids and, and that sort of thing, you know? And that's important actually, so. It's, I think it's made the business world a lot more human, hasn't it? And, and look, what I'm, just everything I'm hearing from yourself, I'm, I love the adaptive mindset. I love the winner's mindset that you've got, you know, even about, you know, we're not really focused on, on what everyone else is doing. Yes, we're aware of the market, but we're focused on us. And that is, yeah, I, I guess. Just, just be the, be the very best that you can be. Absolutely. That's what I tell my kids every day as well. Yeah. <laughs> James, James, it would, I mean, at, at this point, it's worth saying, I mean, there is a, there is a, a pattern of behaviour amongst the leadership group. And, and it comes from, from Natalie, Wendy, and also from Alex um, and others within the team. But there is a consistency of messaging that you will see across each one of those individuals that is absolutely crystal clear. Yeah. And, you know, Adam said that he'd worked for Natalie previously, and so did I. I worked for Natalie for five years at Healthcare at Home. Yeah. And you know, when she, you know, when she approached me about this role, it was a complete no-brainer, you know, because she... She carries with her something that really is quite exquisite. And, you know, I was absolutely delighted to work with her again. And I, and I know Adam has had similar experience. Absolutely. She doesn't, you know, everything Natalie touches turn, turns, to, turns to gold. There's no two ways about it. Mm -hmm. She's the most incredibly inspirational leader that I've ever worked for, actually. Mm -hmm. And, and, and same, as, same as you, Alex. Same. So put them two together. That, yeah. you know, there's, it sounds like there's going to be big things ahead for you guys. Um, Tremendous. You know, so, I mean, what, what are the plans um, moving forward? What's in store for, for Rarity um, over the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, well, we, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a pretty strong growth plan and obviously we need to, you know, I want to deliver on that. And for me, the focus is on growth and 
and and bringing on bringing on new clients but that what that actually means is you know bringing on the opportunity for more patients to access therapy mm -hmm. and so there's always this element of my clinical background you know one of the things that I've learned working in in pharma and working in um you know in on the service side of pharma is as a clinician I can help way more people in this role than I could if I was working as a nurse mm. um you know on the on a ward or you know in the community based you know the reach to help people in this role is much greater um and and so that's what we're here for. Well, that's what we're all here for. Everybody that works in pharma is really here to help patients. And I think I'm really part, proud to be part of that, you know, that world, you know, when you just see what, what's happened with, you know, the vaccination program and, the, and, and the, the delivery of the vaccinations, you know, we've, we've been able as, a, as an industry to, to, you know, to change, you know, to save people's lives through the vaccination program. And, and that's built on years and years and years of scientific excellence, um, actually. And it's it's great to be part of that journey. It sounds like there's certainly exciting times ahead. I know that Adam's been um, working on various COVID uh, bits and pieces. Of yeah, it. that's very exciting. I know that he is, I guess, like a lot of us at the moment, working night and day, Adam, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the way you describe it, Alex, there, there is such synergy around around not just the message, but actually the passion behind what you're doing. You know, people do not go into this industry unless they want to make a difference. And that's no cliche, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, your backstory is absolutely speaking to that point. It's certainly what I align with and every single day. And, you know, your reference to the, to the vaccines. We, we've all experienced something extraordinary in the last year. You know, mm -hmm. we are all part of an enormous clinical trial. Whether we like it or not, we all are. We're mm -hmm. all living proof whether or not we choose to have vaccines in us and whoever provides them. You know, full disclosure, I've got two jabs of AZ in my arm and I'm very happy about it. Me too. I've got and, two jabs of AZ in my arm too. <laughs> and I couldn't have said that a year ago and I certainly wouldn't have been expecting to be working on those on those trials with that extraordinary company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've seen incredible things this last year. Let's let's make no bones about it. And 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 what you're describing and what you're talking about with rare diseases, you know, COVID is a rare disease, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't know about it a little over a year ago. And suddenly, within a year, when brains are put together, something magical has been created by the life science and drug research and de development industry. Something absolutely and, extraordinary. And, and do you know what that has you know what that has enabled adam is the opportunity because obviously you know when when full lockdown happened global lockdown happened mm. people with a rare disease and the majority of them were shielding and getting access to their doctor or their clinical nurse specialist was pretty tricky um and what the vaccine program has allowed is for them to start re-engaging with their therapy and their treatment and i think it's really important to recognise that, you know, like in rare disease, but also in, you know, in cancer, in all sorts of things, um, you know, we've got to get back to this situation where patients can be treated and, and, and receive the adequate treatment. And the vaccination programme is an enabler in that because it's allowed doors to be opened. Well, most definitely, and I'm still 
still a little bit taken aback about this app and how it all works, if I'm honest. Um, it's, <laughs> it's amazing what you guys I, are I think you need to give him a demo, Alex. Maybe you know, outside of this conversation, you need to see it. It's yeah, very impressive, James. Yeah, have a little play on that. I love it. I, I love an app, a, a gizmo, anything like that. And it so looks it's... really cool, too, I have to say. I'm really, really pleased with the look and feel of it. Well, I'm definitely sold, and um, I'm sold on you as, as well, uh, Alex. It's been fantastic having you on. And look, we've reached... Um, Close to the end of the show, um, but this is a, a quick fire session. Um, just to hear a few words of wisdom from, from your end, I, I guess. I'm sure our audience would be very uh, interested to hear what you have to say to these. Um, so look, look, I'll kick us off. Um, what would you say is the one piece of advice um, that you would give to your younger self? I, it has to be believe in yourself. You have to believe that, you know, you can you can do what you what your ambition is and what your vision is right simple effective like that very good um following on from that is there a book on your bookshelf at the moment or a resource that you'd recommend for our audience they're always interested to hear what people are reading at the moment what, well, what keeps them awake at night so i'm a huge reader and i you know i sort of flit between you know books on leadership self-help guides on you know mental health and well-being and healthy balance mm -hmm. one thing that i think is a fantastic read if anybody's interested in rare diseases is this book um i don't know whether you can see it properly see it too well what's what's what, what's it called it's called uncommon challenges and shared journeys and it really is a collaborative of parents insights into the fight they've had to go through to get their children with a rare disease for treatment and honestly it's 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 a it's a beautiful book it's really really easy to read and really well worth reading sounds good i, I know that i'm off anytime that i come across things like this or people are doing a just giving page and you know they tell their stories mm -hmm. and the challenges that they're facing I'm, I'm normally like that okay sign up <laughs> donate so that no, sounds like a, a fantastic book um now, moving on to the uh, to the next question, um, it sounds like there's there's big plans for for, for growth for you guys. Um, so probably quite an apt question at this point is, what are the top three qualities that you look for when when actually building a team? Mm -hmm. I think Adam can uh, answer this for me. <laughs> can I? Oh, that's very good. I think here's the three qualities I think you look for. I think you look for capability, professionalism, and integrity. Oh, How about that? Yeah. That's exactly it. I was going to say honesty, but integrity covers it. And I think, you know, having that open and honest dialogue with your team is really, really important. So that's what I, I try to live by those qualities myself. Mm. Um, and I think another really important element, you know, when you're recruiting a team is not to be threatened by people that have got better capability than you, better te technical expertise. Because, you know, I think that's really important. You need to bring that expertise in because it, it helps the, the business grow and it helps success. I think delegation is, a, is at the core of good leadership, mm. isn't it? You know, it's understanding that you can't possibly do every task that there is and that yeah. there are other people there that can actually facilitate yeah. that on your behalf. And you can't be so important. Everything. You can't. You need to bring that expertise in. Yeah. That's a great answer. Great answer. So... 
So I think I might know the answer to this one as well, but I'll ask the question. So what's your favourite thing outside of work, Alex? I'm going to say paddleboarding. No, that was what I was going to say. Because <laughs> I introduced Alex to paddleboarding. Really? Yeah, so I love the outdoors and I really love paddleboarding. So we've got we've got three in the house now. Wow. Three? Yeah. Wow. You've you've really embraced it. My goodness. Yeah, one me. each for me and my husband, and then whatever child is home from uni or home from there, whatever they're That's doing awesome. can come. And it's really, really good fun. So it's a combination of, you know, being in the outdoors. Um, and it can be a little bit hairy at times, but it's very, very relaxing as well. And I know you you you've been um sort of I'm hooked. Enjoying that enjoying it as well when the weather's nice or are you in the sea for that alex no so i do love the sea though and i do do quite a lot of wild swimming in the winter mm. um but you're better off not being in the sea on a paddleboard you're better off being on a you know a, on a, a a gentle river yeah. or on a lake or a, you know, a, a water course we, yes. i've got some nice water courses around us and i yeah. think you have around where you live as well alex haven't you Absolutely. but the sea can get quite choppy yeah it's it, it's hard it's challenging yeah. yeah that's what i was thinking i was kind of yeah asking for a friend as it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case <laughs> and that sounds sounds great fun guys adam you have to introduce me to that as well i guess try that out uh, look, Alex, to, to wrap up the show and, and finally, what would be your number one golden rule for life and, and for business? Yeah, I think for me, it's got to be authenticity. You've got to be authentic. And I think, you know, with customers, you've got to be authentic and, and honest with, you know, building a team from a leadership perspective. But outside of that as well, you know, in friendships and as a parent, I think authenticity is really important. Perfect. Couldn't agree more. And I think, Adam, you and I, everyone that we've spoken to so far kind of shares that same mantra, don't they? And I think but the principles are extraordinarily common, aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. there are there are so many common threads that run through all of the people that we're interviewing. And I, I really, you know, I really, really am so grateful for you sharing, sharing your story also, Alex, and, and just really putting it some context in, into the, you know, the wider picture now, because I think the more people that know about not just the work that you and Rarity are doing, but actually the principles behind which you, you do your work is really mm. important because I don't think that ever gets out enough into the public domain. Yeah. The people that drive clinical research, that work in life sciences and the passion behind which they do the, the work that they do. Mm. That's what you've spoken to. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm sure that you... Adam and I will, will no doubt keep in contact. I'm going to be following your journey. Uh, but for our audience and anyone that, you know, perhaps wants to, to reach out to find out more about the app, not just myself, um, but anyone else um, or, or Rarity in general, what's the best way to, to reach you? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we've got quite a big profile on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a good place to look at Rarity. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very open for people reaching out either through LinkedIn or, or, or emailing me. Perfect. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Well, look, I'll say it again. Thanks uh, again for being such really a great guest. It. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Hope you have too. And uh, look, I'll let you, you both get off to enjoy your evenings. Thanks Thank you. so much, Alex. Thank, Thank you very much, guys.